Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 277 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's been a few weeks since you've been on. What have you been up to? I decided to rewatch a film, which I don't know the last time you would have heard me say that. I remember when we finished, what was it, episode nine of Last of Us, and I was talking about, you know, upcoming podcast plans, and I said I was going to do this, like, Pixar podcast project, which this is part of that. Uh, the film in question that I did rewatch was The Incredibles 2. Yes. Um, one of the other reasons I rewatched it anyway was in December when I did, like, a mini-series classic reviews thing for Disney Pixar. I included uh, the first Incredibles and it had been, well, it must have been five years since Incredibles 2 because it was 2018. <laughs> so I decided to just go back and watch that. Still prefer the second one. I'm not saying the first one's bad, but what you should do with a sequel is improve upon the original yes, film. Not, not, all, all, not all sequels could do that, but uh, I just think, I know the change in perspective is interesting because it's this time it's uh, Bob that stays at home, who's Mr. Incredible, and then Helen who actually goes out and does the superhero stuff and then you yes, got Frozone, who, who helps out as well. Jack Jack's really funny in this because his powers don't get revealed until, well, to the audience, at least until the end of the first film. Of course, he's the, the, the baby of the family. Even 14 years later in the second film, is still the exact same age. But um, yes, yeah, so as is as is everybody else. Um, <laughs> a bit like The Simpsons, I suppose. Yes, um, no the ages. Yes. Yeah. So that was quite interesting. I, I finished the second one, still really loved it. I would absolutely love them to do a third one. Of course, I know that uh, Pixar's doing more Toy Story things, more Frozen things as well. So uh, they're still wanting to do some sequels. I, I think there was some time ago when Pixar had kind of said in the past that they don't always want to do sequels necessarily um, yeah. which they have done a few of now but they want to keep doing new and original stuff which is still good but um, yeah a lot of the Pixar franchises that I really really love things like Monsters Inc obviously Toy Story as well uh, you got things like Finding Nemo The Incredibles I like Frozen I don't sort of love it in the same level as the other things but it's still good films I just still think there's so much potential with The Incredibles. And I think I remember when I reviewed Incredibles 2 back in 2018, and I said, hey, if you could even do something like age up Jack-Jack and sort of, there's so much, even just with Jack-Jack himself, there's so much potential because he's yeah. got about 50 different powers, yeah. which is great. But no, I love, the, I love those characters. It's really great to uh, go back and watch that. That was a lot of fun. So we'll see what they decide to do with it. I know it was the first two were directed by, um, I think it was Brad Bird is his name. Yes. Um, so of course you'd want to get him back for, if you were going to do a third one. 
one. There's the other side of things as well. And I remember saying this when Extraordinary came out, that as much as we love, you know, the Marvel and DC stuff and the other superhero things and people with power stuff, I still don't think we quite get enough properties outside of Marvel and DC with people with powers, which is where Extraordinary fits into that and where Incredibles does. And I think that could fit that bill quite well. I still wonder if it's a case where certain studios are maybe cautious about doing that because you'll just get compared to Marvel and DC. But I, I think there's plenty of room for superhero or powerful people stories outside of Marvel and DC. And this could sort of fit in well with that. I don't think we spoke about The Incredibles before. What do you think of it? Yeah, no, I really love that film. I enjoyed the first one. Kind of like the second one as well. I think they're both really solid movies. Mm-hmm. And I think a third film could work really, really well. So it is a shame they've not kind of died back into that at any mm. point. I mean, it's one that I think, it being animation, it's not like you've got to quickly turn around a third movie. I mean, look at the Toy Story things. How many years have they been going at this point? Mm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think it could be something that they come back to at some point, yeah. Mm. I also think as well, now that you have not just your cinematic releases, but obviously Disney Plus has been around for what, a couple of years now. <laughs> we've had lots of Marvel shows, lots of Star Wars shows. We've had some Disney and Pixar stuff. Because if you look at something like Monsters at Work, which some people didn't quite like the idea i thought it worked quite well yeah if disney tried more disney and pixar shows but i suppose it's what do you do with some of those characters and with mm-hmm. the way the pixar spoken about okay we don't want to keep revisiting characters over and over and over again if you're going to do a series you might have some some issues potentially with that it's interesting at the moment that because I, I i think there's room to potentially tell different formats of stories like what you do with monsters at work you can't really do that and unless you do that over like three films or something with how people have kind of moaned about live action disney remakes and they've sort of stuck themselves into just doing that mm-hmm. whereas Pixar Pixar's been kind of the one that's kind of tried to keep doing the, the newer stuff we'll see how it goes with that but I, I'm just invested in Disney and in Pixar and I think there's room to tell even more stories with some of them I suppose it's 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 how you do it yeah. you've had like some shorts and stuff like with the I think there was a Big Hero 6 which was really good they did like a short series of that I've done like some Pixar shorts and stuff so we'll see how that goes <laughs> but yeah just with the Incredibles I really like those characters and I think I just think there's room to tell even more stories it just depends on yeah. when and Absolutely. where I suppose yeah. so another show I um, am caught up with now I think the finale is this week actually which is interesting is Hello Tomorrow which I think I spoke about um, yes. on here when I'd seen the first two episodes the first season is going to be 10 because if you look on Apple it, it has like a preview description thing of the next episode and it says season finale I would say for those of you that might have struggled to get into it for about the first two three episodes I would say by episode four if not definitely five it really starts to pick things up because right. what, what's kind of interesting with this you can kind of tell a bit of the idea in the first two episodes that very much just sets up the idea and these are shorter episodes as well they're not like an hour long and you can kind of see a little bit of where it's going but then you get into episode three four and it starts to slowly it's a little bit slow at the start admittedly but you can start to see it moving that needle forward to sort of that there's an idea that's getting formed there it's just when it lands in into that but then from episode five six seven eight nine it just kicks off with that mm-hmm. and it just keeps going i can't really get into the reasons it's gotten really good because that gets into some bigger spoiler stuff although it's doing some interesting things with because you've got the lead guy i think his name's jack isn't it and he's so basically he's trying to sell 
people to go to the moon of like hey you can live a better life up on there the and try, yes yeah and trying to say like hey if you buy your ticket you can get on this uh and go up to the moon it's timeshares isn't it basically it's timeshares yeah. to the moon yeah and he's got like his group of salespeople, and they're sort of arguing about what's wrong and what's right and all this kind of stuff but the question kind of gets posed eventually of is this guy lying mm-hmm. and the show still hasn't quite sort of i mean because i want them to keep the mystery for that because it's, it's it, even with what they showed so far it's still kind of hard to tell but that's a it does it in a really good way but the, also if you just reveal all of that by like episode five how could you you couldn't really have multiple seasons so i i can start to see by the time now that we've got to episode nine I can see how the show could potentially last sort of the, the standard sort of three seasons on Apple, which has mm-hmm. been how long they've done certain shows for. But I, I've been really, really enjoying it. I had a little bit of extra patience with it, and I think that's that's paid off really well. But I would say episode four to five, which I think I watched them together, that's where it really starts to kick off. So right. have you been, been back to the show at all? I haven't been back to it yet, no. I did watch the first episode, and I was one of those people who was like, I'm not sure where this is going, and it's not really grabbed mm-hmm. me. But I really like the setup for it and the environment is really interesting because we said before it's this sort of pre-apocalypse Fallout 4 kind of setup. that's quite good. It's a really interesting environment for it particularly for this sort of show. I do want to go back and continue and have a look again and uh, see if I can kind of get back into it but um, Mm -hmm. there's just other things that have got in the way at the moment. Yeah, it just got really good so I just kept watching it. Um, But yeah, the short episodes there's 10 of them. I haven't heard anything about renewal but usually Apple's been pretty good with that so far yes so because other than netflix which cancels things after three seasons apple <laughs> seems to have three season stories yes uh, so beginning middle end which they've done with quite a few of their shows apart from seven which has had four and a few other things i can maybe see the show lasting two or three seasons possibly mm-hmm. so uh, another game i finished recently haven't done my 100 percent yet because that would take me another bit of time but i'll yes. get back to later is uh, hogwarts legacy i thought i'd include it here because you said you'd finished, finished it, it as yeah. well what did you think of it i really enjoyed it i thought it was very solid throughout it's just a very well put together game and i know some people have been put off because it's jk rowling and with the whole jk rowling thing but i wanted to play the game and i wanted to support the people that have actually developed Mm -hmm. it you know and it is a really very very well put together solid action rpg game i think the combat flows nicely i think the story's really good you don't need to be a harry potter fan to enjoy it there's enough in there for you to kind of look at and have fun with without being a fan of because I mean mm. I know the movies but I don't really know all the lore and the stuff the deep lore and stuff yeah, yeah. you know I'm, I'm not massively into that but because of the fact that it's set way before all that it's disconnected in enough of a way that you can still enjoy it without knowing all that background yeah plus um, you play as a character that you literally create yourself yeah so, exactly yeah, and, yeah. and it's huge. I mean, the way it expands and gradually sort of expands because you start off in school and then you get into get the surrounding area and then suddenly it opens up this larger area of the map and you get a broomstick so you can get around a lot quicker and and then you discover there is another area at the bottom which is really only accessible when you get to the higher levels and I mean, it's really, really good. Just the way it's put together. I, I have some activities to do. If you're 100% completist, you're going to be in there for hours and hours and hours. Oh, you, night. oh you've got, yeah, <laughs> a, I mean, a lot. 
I, I think I paid 50 or 60 hours of it to actually get to the end of the story. But I mean, I'm not going to 100% complete it because that would take forever. I am going to try to do that, but <laughs> later. I got to like the last bit of the story and I was trying to like clear the map and stuff. And I did actually clear about half of it, which is, is, is still quite a lot. The interesting thing with the, with the open world parts is there's a lot of things to do, but some of them are very quick to do, like the Merlin trials and things like the discoverable caves. Yes. So they are very quick to do but there is still like quite a lot of them because you get like field pages and stuff that you can pick up I think just in the castle alone there's like 150 of those or something yeah just in the castle they've done a really really good job with just hey if you're a Harry Potter fan or even if you're not and you want to just explore not just the castle but the world of Hogwarts because it really goes quite far Mm -hmm. if you want a game where you're exploring that world and you're flying around on the broomstick there's certainly lots for you to do here I thought the game was good. I, I do have some issues with the game. I think one of the, perhaps one of the issues I have with it, there's so much in this game that not all of it quite gets the room to breathe because mm-hmm. there's the, the sort of, how do I put this? The efforts are sort of spread over the game because there's so much stuff to do. Um, but I do I do really like it. I do think it's a very good game. I'm going to obviously do like a, a bigger review at uh, some point and get into to all of that. Without going into spoilers, what did you think of kind of the, the ending of the story just in terms of did you like it, did you not? Yeah, no, I thought it came together pretty well, you know, and the story is there right at the very beginning. You understand that you are joining in a unique situation because you're starting as this fifth year and pretty early on you're told that you seem to have some sort of connection to this ancient magic which sets you Mm. out as being slightly different to everybody else and that really is the main story as you go through and uh, yeah I thought that worked really really well. I'm going to be interested to see what they do because presumably they'll end up doing a second one of these I do wonder whether whether they'll put Quidditch in the second one or whether it'll be a DLC for the first one because they rather unsubtly managed to uh, avoid putting Quidditch in this by having a student having had an accident and then cancelling the rest of the Quidditch season and Mm. I I understand them not putting it in because of the fact that I mean that of itself Quidditch could be a game. I think the flight controls would have to be different as well. Yeah possibly but that in itself could be potentially a game on its own Mm. so I can sort of understand them not putting it in here but it, it it does have potential for DLC or possibly putting it into the second game because it would be Mm. weird if Quidditch is still banned when you get to the second game as well. So I think that is something they do need to address in some way because it is quite a big part of Hogwarts' story is Quidditch. Good that in the story they do actually explain, hey, this is a reason we don't have it here because you can go to the the Quidditch field and you can even do like the broomstick trials. Yeah. yeah, at least they had a, a reason for it and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's what I've been up to, David. How about yourself? Well, it's been quite a busy week this week. One thing I did want to mention, actually, is although this is episode 377, I think this is the 500th actual podcast I've put out. Oh. <laughs> I noticed there was a list of like all the shows, because prior to doing the Geek Town Radio show, we did a lot of interviews. So I think this is actually the 500th like podcast bit of content I've actually put out. So that's sort of a milestone, but we're not celebrating that. We'll celebrate when we get to like 400 and 500 and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So The other thing that's been taking up the time this week is a website overall. So if you actually go to geektown.co.uk, you will notice that the site itself looks a little different because we've done a complete overhaul of the site. It's all shiny and new and um, it seems to all be working okay, but that's taken up quite a lot of my time. So there's a sort of different look to it, but all the information is still on there. 
all the same stuff. You can get the podcasts on there. The Never Miss system is on there. Uh, all the UK and US air dates are on there. So you can go and check that out at geektown.co.uk. The other thing I did this week was last couple of months, I've been on BFBS radio. I've become a contributor on there. That's the British Forces radio station. I'm on the breakfast show on that only for like a little sort of five, 10 minute slot. But once a month, I'm going on there and basically doing what I'm doing here, talking about shows and games and stuff that you could come and watch. So I've become a contributor on that. You can hear me uh, It's Wednesday last week. The slot went out for me on the breakfast show. That's the UK breakfast show because they're all over the world, but UK breakfast show for that. And uh, I'll be back next month as well for more of that. So you can check me out over there. In terms of stuff that I have been doing though, I'm working my way through Gotham Knights still, that game. Have you played that yet? I can't remember whether you picked that up. Yeah, I thought it was a good game. Obviously, there were certain shortcomings with it, but I enjoyed it in the end. I think one of the best things about the game is when you go back to the Belfry Mm -hmm. and there's interactions between, to say, all the Batman characters. You've got like Alfred and all the other Gotham Knights there, and they talk about Batman, they talk about what's going on, and I I thought that was maybe one of the best parts of it. The combat is good enough. I think there's some interesting stuff you can do with it. It was good, I thought. Yeah, I mean, there are some characters which you sort of lean into slightly more than others I think I'm mm. playing a lot more Batgirl than any uh, than sort of yeah I mean I'm sort of trying to jump between them because they do all have slightly different strengths and weaknesses because it's Batgirl Nightwing Red Hood and Robin that you're playing as I do try and sort of vary it up every so often but you tend to lean most into Batgirl because she's the most all-round character I think in that mm. in terms of the combat and the abilities that I have really been enjoying I think like you said the combat is solid enough it's not quite up there with the Arkham games and it does slightly bother me that if you're getting into trouble there's no way to call any of the other three in as backup because you play as like one character and that's the character that you're out either patrolling the streets or doing the mission with you're out publicly in the streets and you're having problems with something you'd think you'd be able to kind of pull the radio up and pull in one of the other characters and I know you can do it with multiplayer but it seems very weird that there isn't a system to do that with an AI backup as well and I think that's a slightly missed opportunity that you, you can't sort of call in a sidekick to give you a bit of a helping hand at various points. But overall, it is really enjoyable. And it's been out quite a while, so it's fairly cheap on Steam if you want to go and pick that up there. But yeah, that I'm sort of still playing through. I did dive back into Planet Zoo as well this week because they have a new pack out called the Tropical Pack, which will actually be out live by the time this episode goes out they've also got a free update out with that as well but that's got some new animals in it it's got a new gibbon called the la gibbon the fossa asian water monitor red river hog and the interesting one for me is they've new exhibit animal which is the brown-throated sloth because the exhibit animals up until now they added a walkthrough exhibit a couple of patches back but a lot of those have been things like butterflies so you can walk through a butterfly enclosure or bats or that sort of thing so the sloth is the first time they've used that exhibit for like a larger animal that seems to work quite well it makes sense for the sloth because sloths don't really move around very much so it sort of makes sense to use that as a walkthrough exhibit but that's quite a nice little addition as well and they've added some new plants in and some more tropical kind of things to build and stuff but uh, it's a very solid game that it's very very enjoyable so that new pack is out 
now. That's a game from Frontier, and they've also released an updated pack for Jurassic World Evolution 2, which adds a bunch of feathered animals in, so I was playing a bit around with that as well. Uh, so that's more feathered dinosaurs that they've put into that. Um, it's slightly harder for me to get back into that because I've basically been through all the main storyline and everything with that, and it's slight, it feels a little bit less open-ended, so I'm only really playing around with the sandbox in that, which is fun enough, but doesn't have the flexibility of something like Planet Zoo in terms of the stuff you can build because everything's kind of predetermined in terms of the buildings to a certain extent. So, uh, you know, but that is out there as well. There's a nice that feathered pack for that. In terms of TV, though, I picked up The Night Agent, which was a show which had completely bypassed me. It's on Netflix. The reason that I went and picked it up was because of the fact that uh, Netflix renewed it like four days after they'd released the first season. So it's one of those rare sort of occasions where they've actually renewed something really quickly. And I thought, well, I may should probably go and take a look at this. Based around an FBI agent who is on the night duty at an office, basically in the bunker underneath the White House. And he's monitoring this emergency line, which is used for when assets are in trouble, call in. And he gets a call, come in on that line and that leads to a larger, more deadly conspiracy about there potentially being a mole within the White House. So that's pretty much the setup for it. It's a big conspiracy drama. It's from Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan is the person that's been behind a whole bunch of shows. Uh, SWAT is the main thing that I think that he's running right now. But I mean, he was involved in things like The Shield. He was showrunner on that. He did Timeless. He did Chicago code as well he was an executive showrunner on lie to me so you know experienced guy this is a really really solid conspiracy thriller definitely one that i would suggest you go and check out i'm only a couple of episodes into it but yeah worth going to look at but that's over on netflix i don't know whether you've i did see it pop up and i looked at it as sort of another what is this netflix show um, yes got like a bunch of espionage shows to watch because i want to try jack reacher at some point i've completely somehow forgotten to watch the uh last season of Jack Ryan, which came right. out last year. That just yeah. sort of came out and I didn't click on Amazon. Yeah. And then there's Liaison on Apple and I've just finished Hannah. So I've got like a bunch of those genre shows to watch and also the um, Rabbit Hole, Kiefer Sutherland. So yes. I've got like six espionage shows to watch. So Yeah, there are a few of them around at the moment. Which Rabbit I like that genre, so I'm happy to, to have that many. So. Yeah, Rabbit Hole has been really, really good as well. There's a new episode of that just dropped, so I need to go and watch that. That'll be episode three because they released the first two in the one go that's been really enjoyable it's got a slightly more comedic edge in places than you'd maybe expect from that there's a lot of sort of banter back and forth between him and the sort of female lead and it twists in some very interesting directions it's very much not jack bauer it's not sort of dark serious there is a lighter tone to it in places which i mm. rather quite enjoy and he does it really well i find it interesting he's done a few interviews about if he's coming back to 24 and he said in the most recent interview that I saw that okay if it wasn't to come back it wouldn't be because of him so he's like up for it right, yeah it's strange the way Kiefer keeps saying as well and he said this for a few years that they need an idea for it but the idea is quite obvious for what you would do the next yeah. season of 24 so I'm not quite sure what he means by that but it's interesting that he's gone and done Designated Survivor Fugitive and now this which are all kind of espionage things but hasn't quite returned to 24 yet so, yes but at least he's still interested in doing it and working in the same genre yeah That's and good. I mean I did see him say something 
something along the lines of, you know, it would be good to get Jack out of prison, you know. So there is a show there. I mean, even if it's a one-off event series final season sort of thing that brings Jack back, or maybe a series that leads on to something else where Jack is more in the background or something, you know, Mm. there are places you can go with it. And why Fox hasn't leapt on that and they've been toying around with other ideas for it is beyond me, but yes. Mm. Because it's not like 24 ended last year. It's been nearly 10 years now. I don't know. But obviously Fox got merged with whatever and whatever. So we'll have to see what they do. That was one of the shows that I watched. That's The Night Agent. And that has already been renewed for a second season. And the other thing, which was also on Netflix, was called Unstable, which is this show that stars Rob Lowe and John Owen Lowe, his real life son. And uh, it's Rob Lowe playing a biotech genius who has just lost his wife and has sort of gone off the rails. He's always been a bit kind of crazy quirky, but he's really unfocused and sort of not doing what he's supposed to be. You know, he clearly is a genius because some of the products they're working on are like carbon capture technology and that sort of stuff. There is definite good of humanity stuff that he's doing and he's clearly incredibly intelligent, but just is not focused at all. The company are worried about that. So they go and get his estranged son who lives in New York and they're in LA and they go and find his son and said, look, can you come and see if you can ground your father, even if it's just for a few days, just to try and push him back on track. So his son, who has completely rejected his father's path and has gone to New York to become a professional flute player, he's now come back and he's trying to deal with this kind of crazy dad situation and see if he can kind of keep his dad on track. So that's sort of the slightly bizarre setup for it. First episode, it's okay. It was enjoyable enough. If you like Rob Lowe, it very much is his and his son's vehicle. They have co-creators of it and it is really based around their personalities. And Mm -hmm. it's funny in places. I don't think it's kind of going to set the world alight necessarily, but it was enjoyable enough. And I think they're charming enough to be able to sort of hold the series together. I've only watched the first episode of it so far. They're only like half an hour, 25 minute episodes. So Mm -hmm. uh, I will go back and watch a few more of those, I think, probably. But uh, yeah, that's called Unstable. That's on Netflix. That's sort of enjoyable enough. Nice. Speaking of Rob Lowe, I've been really, really enjoying uh, Lone Star recently. Yes. That's that's been brilliant. I think it's really, not just this season, but last couple of seasons really sort of found its feet. Yeah, no, that's been a really, really good show. I think I've actually preferred that to the main 911 series because I think that's fallen off a little bit in the last sort of season or so, but I think that's been much better. In terms of other things, Rabbit Hole, as I mentioned, still watching that. Uh, Picard, which uh, season three has been superb. I know there was issues with the first couple of seasons. You know, some people didn't like the first one. Some people weren't over enamored with the second one. Third one, very, very solid and kind of what Picard probably should have been in the first place. But bringing all the old crew back together, very enjoyable. Uh, You can pretty much jump into that third season without having watched the first and second season. It works as a sort of standalone thing pretty well well on its own i think they're doing a really really interesting job with that and it's it's been really solid and uh, mandalorian is trundling along quite nicely i think this season it's a little disjointed in places the story seems to jump around quite a lot and there's a lot of plot points that don't seem connected to anything else in the story but yes overall it's enjoyable i like with the mandalorian how because i mean there is sort of a main plot but what the show does really smartly and particularly this season because we've had what five six episodes or something now is 
is quickly in the beginning of the episode establish a like side plot in the story but make it feel like it's the main thing that's going on yeah and just stick with that for the episode and then tell that story but then still remind you that like no there is overarching things going on but we told you a very good sort of side story yeah side, side quests in video games that yes. ones that ones that are like really really good that make you forget that you're not on the main quest uh, which is something that like Hogwarts Legacy does pretty well mm-hmm. it's very good at not distracting itself but being good at just telling side stories that make you feel like it's more important than anything else in the show I like how they've included more Mandalorians in the season as well yeah. and what they've done with Bo-Katan it's also been really cool to just see Grogu flipping around more <laughs> as well yeah. that's been brilliant yeah I mean this season has very much been about the Mandalorians I mean the overarching story really this season is about Mandalore and the Mandalorians and there's been some side quests and bits and pieces I've said before the entire plotting of the Mandalorian from season one has been very game like in that he had a goal to get from point A to point B but gets distracted by side quests throughout (laughs) the entire thing like a major action RPG so it is still kind of that sort of plot and the overarching plot this season is very much about Mandalore and the Mandalorians the story does feel a little bit disjointed in places like you know we've had them going and following the couple of episodes back we had a sort of bottle episode which followed two characters that didn't seem to be connected in any way but you assume that that's going to come into the main story at some mm. point but yeah. yeah it's also aside from Andor which I didn't quite connect with and Obi-Wan which is finished anyway Mandalorian's really been kind of holding Star Wars together for the last couple of years yeah I mean it's not a case of having not good films because we just haven't really had many films in the last couple of years and there's been loads of stories about directors being brought in for films and being let go really really quickly Mm -hmm. so uh, I don't know but Mandalorian's kind of holding it together which is good yeah absolutely certainly well worth going to watch on uh, Disney Plus that one definitely Mm -hmm. that's all the stuff we've been watching this week let's move over to the TV and film news they've decided it's time to move on which is entirely their prerogative and it's one of those things that i can see kind of popping up for the occasional christmas episode maybe but it's going to end with its fifth season which i'm very sad to see it go the u.s version is still going and that's been renewed for a new season and the u.s version actually i think even at this point when it's only two seasons in has more episodes than 
than the UK version. That is really solid. It's not quite up there with the UK version, but the leads are really good. The girl that was the lead in Eye Zombie is the lead in the US version of Ghosts. Very much enjoyed watching that because that is on the BBC as as well. So uh, hopefully they'll continue to pick up because they've only picked up the first season so far. So hopefully they'll pick up the following seasons for that, particularly now the main show is going. I mean, very enjoyable that US. One of the rare occasions where the US actually get a conversion of a, of a UK show right, much like they did with The Office. You know, it's not mm, necessarily mm. exactly the same as the original. So, but so not the in-betweeners. <laughs> yeah, not the in-betweeners. <laughs> me. That is still ongoing. So there is still going to be some ghost stuff around. It's just not going to be the original UK version. Grownish, they announced this week, he's going to end after its sixth season as well, which I, I think brings to an end the ish franchise that started off with mm. um was it mixed is the original it was blackish, blackish as well i think blackish yeah. was the original yes mm. um, i don't know which one's the original but yeah, yeah blackish was the original and that ran for what 10 seasons i think or something so uh grownish is the one of the spin-off mixed ish has finished grownish is now coming to an end after six seasons so that will be gone billions <laughs> we got an announcement that that is going to end not from Showtime, who are the people that own the show, but it slipped out in an interview by Dan Soda, who plays Murphy on the series. He was on NBC Sports Football Night in Chicago. Not sure why he was on there, but he was on there doing an interview. And he opened by saying, season seven, the final season of Billions is on the way, before pausing slightly and then going, I'm not supposed to say that. I don't think oh. I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> At which point the anchor commented, well, it doesn't really matter. You've said it now and we're live. So <laughs> he then went, yeah, it's the final season. So yeah, Billions apparently is ending with its uh, seventh season. They have got a bunch of spin-offs in the works. None of these have actually been ordered to series yet, but there was Billions London, Billions Miami, Millions and Trillions were the four shows which they're looking at potential possible spin-offs. So um, Billions London and Billions Miami are basically similar kind of ideas with sort of rich people, hedge funds, that sort of stuff, and just set London and Miami. Millions, the idea is you would follow a bunch of younger, upcoming people who are trying to get into that billionaire status. And Trillions is following a bunch of fictional people that are your sort of Elon Musk kind of level of wealth. It's really up there in the off echelons of people with incredible amounts of money and uh, following a couple of those sort of level people have have way, way more money than they probably should. None of those have been ordered to series yet, but we'll see what comes out of this. They've also said that Damian Lewis is going to come back for the seventh season because he left season before last. Understandably, that was following the death of his wife and uh, he wanted to be back in the UK rather than being in the US. So uh, he left to spend more time with his family in the UK. But we know know that the character Bobby Axelrod is based in London on the show as well so it means that they can shoot some bits in London so he's in for half of the uh, seventh season and I do wonder whether they're going to use that as a setup for this sort of Billions London spin-off because it's potentially obviously if they shoot that in London it means that he could be involved in that as well no guarantee of that but it does lead that to an interesting opportunity so uh, we'll see what happens with that but Billions the main show it looks like is going to be coming to an end after season seven and Sky have cancelled a couple of shows as well The Rising that series about the girl that wakes up in a lake and pretty soon discovers that she's actually 
dead and she can see people but they can't see her was due to go into production for a second season in a couple of months and they've pulled the plug on it don't know why it was going to be called Risen the second season wasn't going to have the same cast it was a similar premise but with different characters settings and themes in the second season so it was going to be more of an anthology thing but apparently it was all cast they got a script written it was ready to go it was due to shoot in a couple of months and Sky have just said nope so they're not even like making it no Oh, I mean, Sky, to be fair to them, didn't officially confirm that they were making a second season, but it was apparently all ready to go. So I, I don't know what happened there. But yeah, it's not coming back for a second season now. And when you talk to Sky, they actually say that it was only ever envisaged as a one-off event series. So seems to be some disconnect between the production company that make it and Sky mm. uh, over what was supposed to be happening with the second season of it. They've also cancelled Britannia after three seasons and apparently the third season I didn't watch that show but it ended on a cliffhanger which is a bit unfortunate I sort of get that because it's probably quite an expensive show to make and 2019 I think was the last time it was out so I guess people it's been a while I guess people are probably out of contract it will probably make it quite expensive to bring back that won't be returning which is a shame because if it ended on a cliffhanger it's a shame they couldn't pull people back together even Mm. if it was for a feature length final or something but yeah that is not returning I remember when like the first trailer came out and it kind of looked like oh it could be maybe a British Game of Thrones and Mm -hmm. I remember watching I think I watched the first two episodes and it just didn't quite like it's got David Morrissey who was the governor yeah. in uh, Walking Dead who I've also met is a very nice person yes um, I don't know it just didn't quite click and then I completely forgot about it yeah I kind of had the same reaction to it it, it just, just didn't really land just didn't really land for me I know there was a lot of people that really liked it it's a shame that it, it just didn't quite get there for me but yeah they've decided that it's too expensive for another season for a fourth season so uh, that will not be returning we have got a number of renewals Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Lower decks both renewed for new seasons they've got some summer premiere dates as well so june 15th for strange new worlds lower decks will be in the summer at some point around about after that i guess but there is the crossover episode between strange new worlds and lower decks in the strange new world season Uh, (laughs) that is coming which is going to have live action versions played by the actors that voice the characters it's going to have live action versions in strange new worlds i mean how that is going to work we don't know yet because obviously they're in two entirely different timelines because Lower Decks is set in the Next Generation timeline whereas Strange New Worlds is more in the well pre the Mm. original series but there are a lot of in canon time travel things in Star Trek so you know I mean it's certainly not an impossible thing to do we'll see how that works but I loved Strange New Worlds I think it's the best of those new series it's just very much original Trek and is the spiritual continuation to the original Star Trek it very much has the same vibe to the original series and I love Mm. Lower Decks as well I mean Lower Decks is very much canon to Next Generation but with a nice comedy twist to it both of those shows I I think are really solid you know and we've of course got Discovery coming back for a final season 
but that won't be until next yeah. year. Do you think Strange New Worlds will last longer than what Discovery is going to? Difficult to say at this point. I hope so. Because some of the old shows lasted quite a few seasons, didn't they? Well, not. I mean, the original series only lasted for three seasons, I think. But mm-hmm. certainly, I mean, Next Generation was 10, 11 seasons, something like that. And Voyager was like about six or seven. Deep Space Nine was around that as well. So they could go on. It's just the expense of them. So, right. But they do have a volume available to them now, which may make it a bit cheaper for them to be able to do all the special effects, possibly. Nice. So that's really good news. So we're getting Strange New Worlds Season 2. That will be in June 15th. That will land. And then Lower Decks after that. Night Agent, as I mentioned, renewed for a second season. ITV have got a couple of renewals as well. Vera has been renewed for a Season 13 with David Leon returning as Joe Ashworth. He was the sidekick in seasons one to four. He then left to pursue other things. One of those things being directing. So he's a sort of actor director. He actually returned for the eighth season to direct behind the camera. And uh, now he's coming back to play the new sidekick. That's because the people that have been playing her current sidekicks have decided to move on to other projects. He's going to be coming back and be the new old sidekick again. So that will be coming back. Unforgotten also renewed for a new season as well. That will be back for season six with Sunny Keenan and uh, Sanjeev Baskar back in the leading roles as well. So uh, that will be coming back too. Over on the US, there is one renewal from the networks as well, which is Blue Bloods. That's back for a 14th season. They've secured the renewal for that by basically cutting the income of the cast and crew by, well, rumoured to be about 25%. They took a pay cut off to keep the show on air because it's a show that's 14 seasons in, which means that traditionally when a show gets renewed, everybody gets a bump in income. But when you're 14 seasons in, the numbers slowly started to tail off over the seasons so it's one of those things that they need to balance the budget somehow and the way that they've done that is ask the cast and crew to take a pay cut they've agreed to do that and it will keep the show on air i mean it employs hundreds of people so rather than just put everybody out of work this said well we'll take less money which is very gracious of them to keep the show running so i mean the big problem you have with that show is unlike a lot of the procedurals with something like a law and order or an ncis if you want to cut the wage bill, you can get rid of some of the upper level cast and replace them with other people, bring in new people who were going to cost less money, which is why when you get those long running shows that have run for 20 odd seasons, you get to a certain point and the lead actor will change and that sort of thing. Very difficult to do with Blue Bloods because it's based around a family and you can't suddenly bring in like a cousin from somewhere, <laughs> you know, to replace one of the brothers that you've kicked out. You know, you, it's very difficult to do that because you, know, mm. you have to have sort of what soaps do isn't it like yeah exactly you, you, you get like a family of five or something and then the dad leaves or dies and then brother-in-law or something comes in <laughs> it's, it's a little more difficult to do that with something like Blue Blood so um, yeah. yeah but they've managed to find a way to bring it back for a 14 season whether it makes to season 15 after that is anybody's guess because they're going to be looking to cut costs again we'll see where that goes but it is going to be back certainly for one more season at least in terms of a few bits of other news Last of Us, obviously now finished, but we've got some numbers for the finale. It was Sky in the UK, the biggest audience they've ever had for a debut series for the finale. It's even beating out um, House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones. In the US, the audience has grown week on week with the finale up 74% on the premiere, which is just unheard of because, you know, 
usually the opening episode goes out, people watch it, some people go, eh, not for me, and drop off. Whereas this has gone up 74% over the course of the series, which mm. is, is just staggering. Well done. We actually interviewed the production designer for Last of Us, which you'll find in your feed for this podcast. And uh, it's also over on Entertainment Talk as well. If you've got the World of the Last of Us podcast on Entertainment Talk, you'll find that interview over there and on here. That was really interesting interview to do, but just a phenomenal success that year. Yeah, it was interesting because every week the reports kept coming out like, oh, it's gone up a little bit more. It's gone up a little bit more. And I thought, oh, one of these weeks it will like drop. stay the same or yeah. drop off a little bit. But no, I think the complete numbers for, I think at least episode one was like 30 million, <laughs> at least for, for HBO anyway. Yeah, so yeah. that's, wow. I mean, if you think about, okay, what, what audiences would have watched it? It would have been the people that played the games. Word of mouth is obviously quite big because there's still probably quite a few people that would have either seen somebody else play it or they you know, would have yeah. spoken to somebody that has played it or something. And it's also, you know, an, an award-winning game and that kind of stuff. So word of mouth helped with that. Of course, the audience that's already there and people that have just, oh, I've heard of this Last of Us thing. Um, mm. So it's, inc- it's incredible how well it's done. I, d- I just can't wait to see how they handle season two. Yeah. Because that's, that's an incredible story as well. It's just been an outstanding success for them. And uh, I'm so happy that they managed to nail that and get it right. And it proves that if you are faithful to the source material, you can really nail these things. You know, there is mm-hmm. a reason that these games sell so many copies. So, you know, don't monkey around with it to an extent that it's unrecognizable <laughs> from what it is. If you put enough money in and you hire the right people to do the right things, mm-hmm. you should be all right. Yes. I mean, this series has been more than just all right. But um, yeah, you've you got to put the money into these things and you've got to, you've got to put the right people on them. Yeah. So. Another show which potentially might be coming back from the dead is The X-Files. Don't worry if you're worried about it. Oh God, not another reboot of The X-Files with like, you know, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson trolling out those characters again because that storyline got into such a horrific mess. Chris Carter was being interviewed. He's the original creator of The X-Files and mentioned something kind of interesting, which is Ryan Coogler, who is the man behind Black Panther and Wakanda Forever, is apparently working on a sort of reboot of The X-Files with a diverse cast. So it wouldn't be the same thing. It would be a a sort of whole new version of the X-Files. He does go on to say that uh, he's got his work cut out of him because we covered so much territory on that show. But uh, yeah, he was talking on a podcast and apparently that is in development. I don't know whether that's a good idea or not. Ryan Coogler's certainly talented. I mean, you know, you look at Black Panther and Wakanda Forever and they've been huge films, but an X-Files sort of reboot is an interesting one to step your foot in. I've never seen an episode myself of X-Files. My, really? my, my dad did watch it and he said it was good until it wasn't. Was sort yes. of- I think that's I remember fair. him saying. I remember it came back for like a limited thing on Channel 5 and then it just got cancelled again. Or I don't know, so It sounds like yeah. it's ended up being a bit of a mess from what everybody's kind of said. X-Files is obviously very, very different to something like Black Panther. But sometimes when a, either a director or a showrunner continues to do really good work, like with the first and second Black Panther, bearing in mind with the second Black Panther, he and the rest have obviously had to figure out, okay, we're not recasting T'Challa because we've lost Chadwick, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. How do we figure that out? How do we make a 
sequel to this already really great film, I imagine was quite a challenge and they pulled it off incredibly well. Yeah. So just from like a talent perspective, if you were to say Ryan Coogler is working on anything, I would trust him to do a good job with whatever that is just because he's already done a good job with two things I've seen. I think mm-hmm. he's also supposed to be doing some sort of Black Panther series, which again, if he's doing that, yeah. obviously X-Files is a bit of a completely different swing to that. So I don't know. I saw some comments about, like, oh, if you're going to bring X-Files back, it has to be Mulder and Scully. But from what you've kind of just said and from uh, yeah. what's happened to X-Files, do you want to go back to those no. characters? Because it, it feels to me, if somebody says, okay, we're going to do more X-Files, isn't something fresh a better idea at this point? I think it is one of those shows where generally I would say, uh, I don't know whether you can remake this with a new cast, but I think there is an interesting premise in X-Files of sort of a team of people or a couple of people that are investigating mysterious and aliens mm. and other unexplained cases. I think there is a reasonable show there without needing to bring Mulder and Scully back and the mess that Mulder and Scully bring with them because it really went off the rails <laughs> in the last few seasons of that show and they tied it in knots to a point where the plot really started to make very little sense. So I think a fresh, clean start would probably be the most sensible thing for that show. Mm. I mean, Ryan Coogler is a really, really solid creator, uh, you know, I mean, as well as the Black Panther films, you've got Creed as well, which is the other thing that he did. Uh, Fruitvale yeah, Station, well. Fruitvale Station, which was his first independent film, is a great little movie as well, which is uh, based on a real story. It's the the last days of a guy who was fatally shot by a police officer. That was a really, really solid movie. That was uh, that starred Michael B. Jordan as well. That's worth looking up if you've not seen that. But he's done mm-hmm. some great work. I think certainly would be an interesting one to see him sort of have a go at it's one of those things that is in development and isn't necessarily going to go anywhere there's no studio attached he apparently is working on it it would then have to go to somebody to be kind of yeah hey do you want this we'll have to wait and see whether that does actually Mm -hmm. come out anywhere as somebody who's not seen the x-files it just feels like okay if you want to go back to doing that you can either go back to the mess that was Mulder and scully not because of those characters but because of you know as you described what happened with the the plot lines fresh approach might just be better yeah. to do for that yeah we'll and i mean it does have the advantage as well that it is a 20th century owned product i think as well it was a co-production with another production company but it's within disney's wheelhouse so he's got some pull there as well so i would suspect it would probably disney plus that would pick it up if anybody was going to pick it up but we'll have to wait and see whether that does come out anywhere Moving over back onto Paramount Plus and Star Trek, they announced a new Star Trek series, uh, Starfleet Academy, which will introduce a group of young cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and optimism under the watchful and demanding eyes of their instructors. They will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate blossoming friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves and new enemies that threaten both the Academy and the Federation itself. I mean, from that description, it's basically the YA Star Trek series that, you know, the teen drama Star Trek Riverdale that they're trying to be kind of putting into <laughs> slot into that gap because they've got everything else kind of covered. You know, they've got the older generation covered with Picard. They've brought in new people with things like Discovery and people that like the original series with Strange New Worlds. So they've covered a lot of bases. You've also got Star Trek Prodigy, which is a great little sort of younger generation thing. What they haven't got is the sort of teen YA thing. So I think that's the slot that they're aiming to try and fill with this show. 
What is interesting is the statement from Alex Kurzman and Nogal Landu, who are the people that are going to be co-showrunners of it. They said, admission is now open to Starfleet Academy. Explore the galaxy, Captain Your Destiny. The next line, though, for the first time in over a century, our campus will be reopened to admit individuals of a minimum of 16 Earth years or species equivalent who dream of exceeding their physical, mental and spiritual limits, who value friendship, camaraderie, honour and devotion to a greater cause than themselves. That's their sort of spiel on it. But it's the line for a first time in over a century that sticks out because they haven't actually said when this is going to be set. Because I think a lot of people Mm. assumed that this would either be Next Generation Star Trek Academy or maybe original series timeline. It seems like this is probably going to be the Discovery timeline that 25th century timeline, which kind of makes sense because with Discovery ending, they've either got to entirely abandon what they've set up there or they've got to do something like this to carry it forward. And they have kind of played around with this already by removing Tilly and making her an instructor at the academy. And we've seen her with cadets in the previous season as well. So the fact that they're saying, you know, it's been closed for over a century and now they're reopening it seems to imply that it's probably going to be that timeline. At least that's what most people seem to be assuming. Whether it is or not, we don't actually know. But it sort of makes sense that you're going to use that timeline where you can bring in after you finish the main series some of those characters as sort of guest instructors or whatever you can still use some of those people and that environment i would really like that idea i think that works as some sort of like not full-on sequel series but sort of spiritual continuation if, yeah. if that makes sense using a few of those characters because if you're going to have a bunch of young new characters come in and obviously they're going to need some some mentors and leaders and people like that and you've already got a bunch of discovery characters and as you said, some of them, including Tilly, who have kind of been doing that already. Uh, you've also got the Hugh and Paul kind of area where they were teaching Grey and Adira, who are sort of yeah. the, some of the younger characters who are, I, I really like that group of characters. So maybe using a couple of those if possible. Yeah. I mean, Tilly would be the obvious one to move across because she's kind of already there. I think you could bring some of the other characters, one or two of them maybe. And I mean, they've done that in Star Trek before. I mean, with Deep Space Nine, you had O'Brien move from Next Generation across onto Deep Space Nine and later you had Worf do the same. So, I mean, it's not uncommon for that Mm. when it comes to the spin-off shows. I think there is certainly some potential there and part of this will be, be a lot cheaper for them to do that than it would be to continue Discovery and still keep some of the cast because it's a different show so you renegotiate all the cast contracts so they're basically back to season one again which will be a lot cheaper for them to produce and a lot of the leads are going to be probably unknown teens so they're Mm. going to be a lot cheaper rather than having people that you know in those roles it does make sense and people have been talking about Star Trek Academy series for a long long time I can see this working and particularly in that timeline and it sort of makes sense because problem with setting it in the original time period you've then got well do you have a sort of young Kirk but then they've already used a Kirk in Strange New Worlds if you set it in next generation, who are you going to put in the academy there? Is it the children of some of the characters that you know, but then we've already had some of those already in Picard. So there are possibilities, but it rather makes sense 
to set it in that 25th century discovery time period. Mm-hmm. So yes, don't know any more about when that is likely to land, but it's probably going to be after discovery finishes, I would think. So, you know, 2024 at least for that. Moving over onto Netflix, they announced Scott Pilgrim, the anime, which, I mean, did you see the Scott Pilgrim film? I mean, it's uh, no. 2010 that was out. I did see it. I know it's a real cult classic for a lot of people. It was Edgar Wright's movie. The anime series, they basically bought the entire cast back to voice the anime. That's Michael Sarah doing the voice of Scott, Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Cullen, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Alison Pill, Audrey Plaza, Johnny Sims, Mark Webber, Ellen Wong, Brandon Routh in there, Chris Evans, Jason Schwartzman. There's a whole bunch of names in there. So all the original cast have come back to voice their characters for this anime series as well, which is great. I mean, there's, I'm glad there's sort of some continuation there. It's um, Science Saru are the people that are doing the anime for it, and Edgar Wright is going to be exec producing it as well. If you're a fan of Scott Pilgrim, that sounds like it's going to be quite good. It's based on the comic books, obviously, by Brian Lee O'Malley. Neither of us are particularly huge Scott Pilgrim fans, but if you are a Scott Pilgrim fan, that we want to watch out for. Back over onto Marvel, they've announced the screenwriter for Fantastic Four, which is going to be one of their big tentpole movies due to land February 2025 and kick off Phase 6. So obviously this is going to be a big thing for them and they need to get it right. They've handed over scripting duties to a guy called Josh Friedman, who takes over the writing from two people called Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer. And I have to say, Josh Friedman seems like a much better fit for this because I don't know any of Jeff Kaplan or Ian Springer's works particularly, but looking at their previous films and their upcoming films, they've done one called Burton Annie's Guide to Friendship, They've got an upcoming Rebel Wilson movie called K-Pop Lost in America and another film called Disaster Wedding. They all might be brilliant movies and hilarious and funny, but they really don't scream Fantastic Four to me, those films. Whereas Josh Friedman is the man behind Snowpiercer, the TV series. He was the creator of that, although I I think he eventually left under creative differences, but he was the original creator of that. He also wrote and is the creator of Foundation, based on the Isaac Asimov hellishly complex novel series. He was the scriptwriter for War of the Worlds, the 2005 Steven Spielberg movie. He wrote Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles as well for TV. He was behind that. He was one of the writers of this story for Avatar Way of the Water, but I know there's mixed opinions on that, but he didn't write the actual script for that. He was just one of the people involved in writing the story for it. He is involved in the upcoming two Avatar films as well. I think certainly in terms of the genres and the shows he's worked on, particularly the the sort of big two that he's been involved in, which is Snowpiercer and Foundation, that seems like a far better fit for writing a Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, the main two things people will look for is, okay, who's the director and who's the cast? Where you do have, obviously, you know, writers and screenwriters and stuff, people tend to pay a bit more attention to who the director and the cast is. But yes, it sounds like a a good fit. And yeah, they really do have to get this one right because they've done, is it two or three iterations of Fantastic Four? on-screen iterations there was the pre-MCU movies which were quite fun but I mean they were pre-MCU so don't really count as part of this and then Mm. there was the it was a younger one one, which was a Fox property which was very different to everything
everything else. So that wasn't MCU related either. And then we've had John Krasinski show up as Mr. Fantastic in the sort of alt version of that on screen. But there's no indication that he's actually going to come back for the role to do Mr. Fantastic on this. We do know the director of it is going to be Matt Shankman, who was the director of WandaVision. That's a solid director behind it. We just don't know any of the cast right now. wonder when they're going to time... Obviously, they've got lots of things coming up. You've got Secret Invasion, which the trailer looked amazing that they released today. Uh, you've got a lot of other things coming as well. But the main two next big things, well, technically three, I mean, Avengers is already kind of a, a thing, obviously, within the MCU, is X-Men and Fantastic Four, which are going to be the two really, really big things. Really have to get them right. I mean, out of those two things, I think the biggest hurdle they're going to have is who do you possibly cast as Wolverine after Hugh Jackman? Mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah. I know he's going to be in Deadpool 3, but I'm talking long-term X-Men because he's a character that you could obviously easily give individual films to as well. Mm-hmm. Who do you get for that? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I suppose. There's been lots of you know, rumours and fan casting and stuff, but... No, I, I think that is going to be an interesting bit of casting when they finally get around to introducing the X-Men. And Fantastic Four, again, we don't know when the casting for that is going to land. I would suspect it will come some point this year, but it's whether they do it at Comic-Con or whether they do it at D20 but I mean the film is due Mm. out in February 2025 so I mean we've got a little bit of time before they get there but they have got to shoot it so they've got to announce the cast I would have thought at some point this year yeah (laughs) what about if you do a big like comic-con stage reveal for the cast for fantastic four so at comic-con this year and then you use d23 for something x-men related yeah so you kind of you kind of spread the announcements a little bit that would be quite good because i mean we know a lot of the films that are coming up but phase six is quite empty right now Mm. so that would sort of make sense if you start to pull in as we said at the time i mean he announced a whole bunch of stuff and didn't even have to mention x-men when they did the last one at d23 so um, mm. it's going to be interesting to see what comes up with that who do you think would be a good fit for Wolverine obviously um, they want someone probably young it's going to be very very difficult to follow Hugh Jackman whoever yeah. gets that role <laughs> but you know he's been playing that character for a long long time yeah. hasn't he yeah. A long, long, long time. Uh, I don't know about his age, but Carl Urban would be a, a good choice. I know he's probably a bit older, well, isn't he? But... Yeah, Carl, Carl Urban would be a good choice. And I mean, yeah, he's, he is a bit older, but, you know, even so, I think Carl Urban would be mm. pretty decent. There's certain scenes in The Boys where he shows that sort of grit. Yes. <laughs> so I think that could work pretty well. So, I mean, uh, they'll come up with somebody interesting, I think. Because again, we don't even know what they're doing with the X-Men in the Marvel MCU yet. But, mm. but at least Fantastic Four seems to have a decent writer involved in it as well. Because if somebody can sit down and figure out foundation of all novel series for oh, Apple. Yeah. They know what they're doing, I think, because they did a very good job with Foundation, which is a hell of a complex book series to deal with. Yeah, that was an incredible first season. Yeah, and I think that he did a brilliant job with that. You know, Snowpiercer has been really, really good. Uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles was actually pretty decent as well. It just didn't really find its audience. So I think, yeah, Josh Friedman probably a solid pick for that. That's all the news we've got for this week. Just some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have a new thing starting on Disney Plus called Will Trent. This is based on a New York Times best-selling book series, and that lands on the 5th of April on Disney Plus. That's Will Trent. We've got Schmigadoon returning for a second season on Apple TV Plus. That's on the 5th of April as well. Beef, which is a new series starring Stephen Young and Ali Wong. That comes on to Netflix on the 6th of April. Slasher Ripper, that's the fifth season 
of that comes to Shudder. That's on the 6th of April. That's the Canadian horror anthology series. Meet the Richardsons. That returns for season four on Dave. That's on the 6th of April at 10pm. There is a new series called Dreamland that comes to Sky Atlantic. That's on the 6th of April at 9pm. That's a comedy drama about secret lives and loves and aspirations within a family of four sisters set in Margate. That's got Lily Allen and Freema Adjaman in the lead roles in that. Tiny Beautiful Things that lands on Disney Plus. That's on the 7th of April. That's got Catherine Han in it. He's based on a best-selling collection of essays about a revered advice columnist whose own life is falling apart. Catherine Han, of course, stole the show in WandaVision. Grease, The Rise of the Pink Ladies, which is a musical series that takes place four years before the original Grease. That lands on Paramount Plus on the 7th of April. There is a special episode of Intelligence, which is the comedy with David Schwimmer and Nick Mohammed. That lands on Skymax on the 8th of April at 9pm. Why Didn't They Ask Evans, which is an Agatha Christie adaptation directed by Hugh Laurie. That has been, I think, out on ITVX already, or BritBox, and that is now coming to ITV1. That's on the 9th of April at 9pm. Colin from Accounts, which is a romantic comedy from Australia. That's landing on BBC Two on the 11th of April at 10pm. Miss Scarlet and the Duke, that returns for its third season. That's on Alibi on the 11th of April at 9pm. So uh, lots of stuff coming next week. That's quite um, a lot, yeah. Yeah. If they want to find more of your stuff, Matt, where can they find you? You can find me over on entertainmenttalk.org or your favourite podcast platforms. We do TV, games, films, May Night Podcast. Uh, we're now back off the international break, which was annoying because it was just England playing for two weeks uh, <laughs> but the Premier League should be is all back now uh, still in some other competitions so I think I think that is just going to keep going until uh, the, the end of May because there's no other time to take any more breaks just finished The Last of Us like David said um, we interviewed John Payno who was the production designer so that was really really great to do thanks again for uh, inviting me on to do that with you I've got the Marrow film out this week so I'm hoping to go and see that so that should be interesting going to have a Hogwarts Legacy review at some point and on the 6th of April which is this week uh, it's Entertainment Talk's seventh anniversary. Seven years somehow I've, I've been doing all of this, <laughs> but uh, that's that's happened very, very fast. That's going on as well. I don't have anything actually specifically planned for that, although I'll be doing I'll be doing other podcasts later this week anyway. So that's a thing that's happening as well. And yeah, you can find me on Twitch occasionally and eTalk UK and YouTube if you want the game stuff, uh, Entertainment Talk Plays, but that's me. Yeah, so go and find Matt over there on entertainmenttalk.org. You can also find other people involved in the show, such as Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's B-Y-T-E-S she's streaming every week so you can go and check out her schedule over on her Twitch page she is also appearing live in a few things coming up nice. I believe she'll be at Insomnia Gaming Festival this weekend so you'll be able to go and find her over there I think she's presenting at OLL Gaming Festival as well so uh, you can go and find her at that but uh, yes if you want to go and watch her on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites you can find her there and uh, Dowell you can find over at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you love which are shot in Canada. For us you can visit the website, the new shiny website at geekdown.co.uk throughout the week and <laughs> see all the latest. Go and have a look. Yes you should geekdown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geekdown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post, find us at geekdown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geekdown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geekdown and on Instagram at geekdownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 